What informs us, forms us. And we have to believe that there is a story that we are supposed to be in, and a story that is bigger than us, and because of that, it's a story that makes us bigger. I want to give us the scripture that we're going to use as an anchor. There's a lot of scripture today. Some will be up here, some I'm just going to read, but I want to use this as an anchor for that we have this, this place where we can kind of center around. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, I want to start here and use this as an anchor point. But I want to tell you a story about me. I made my confession of faith. I'm glad mom and dad are here because they can tell me. I think I was eight. Was I eight? Eight or nine? I wasn't a teenager yet, but let's just say I was eight for sake of continuity. So when I made my confession of faith, I walked up the aisle at First Christian Church. I gave my life to Christ. And the 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 speaker there was an evangelist was there for a revival and and he took me aside and he asked me this question. He goes, if you die tonight, which I always think is a lousy thing to ask an eight-year-old because that, you know, it's like when you were a kid, you ever pray that prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Like, I would pray that and go like, I ain't sleeping. No, that's, that's if I should die before I wake, pleasant dreams, sweetheart. You know, it just doesn't make sense. But so for an eight-year-old, as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm getting this, this and I, you know, I, feel, I knew I was supposed to go up. I knew that I was supposed to give my heart to Jesus, or whatever you want to, the cliche you want to go. He asked this question. He goes, where would you go if you died tonight? Now, I'm like, well, I think I just got done crossing the T's and dotting the I's. I think I'm in good shape. I'm going to heaven. So I'm going to heaven. He's like, right. But it was the follow-up question that stumped me, because he goes, what if you die tonight? 20 years from tonight, where are you going to go? Now, my theology or my religion or whatever you want to hit, it wasn't solid then. And I'm like, well, uh, huh. You know, I hesitated. Because here's what I'm thinking as an eight-year-old. <laughs> I've, I've run a pretty good slate today from like 7.30 in the morning to where we are now. But odds are I'm going to mess up around four or five and then years to go, I'm going to make mistakes. And I was in this mindset that you had to earn this. And so when he asked that, I hesitated because I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know because we haven't lived that story out yet. Now, I told you that stumped me. It did stump me a little bit. So I want to fast forward 15 years from that day. I'm 23. I hope I did the math right. I'm 23. I'm in the Grand Traverse Hotel in Traverse City, Michigan. I am playing with world-class musicians, people that have won Grammys or have since then won Grammys, have toured. I was exactly where I'd always wanted to be since I was probably eight or nine years old. And I was an absolute, complete wreck. The time before I had gotten to Traverse City, I was doing a cruise ship tour. And I would get done playing. 
And I would try to drown out all the voices in my head that were telling me that I was never going to amount to anything, that it was never going to matter, you weren't good enough. I don't know if I've ever even told you this. On the ride back, because I drove down to Nashville to practice, and I was kind of couch surfing in Nashville for a while. When I came back to, to Indiana to get ready to go to Michigan, as I'm driving back, and I'm not proud to admit this, my thought process at 23 was, I'm going to die before I get back home. I was convinced. And I remember driving from Nashville to Greensburg. And this is how, this is how whacked out I was at the time. Driving from Nashville to Greensburg, I think I hit Columbus or Seymour. I can't remember what it was. And all of a sudden, I realized, I'm like, look, I'm only 60-some miles, 30-some miles from home. That's awesome. That's a long drive when you're by yourself. And the very next thought that came into my head was, it's a shame I got this close, and I'll die this close to home. I would roll up to an intersection just not even you know, driving in Nashville or driving in Indy or somewhere, driving in Greensburg. I would roll up to an intersection, and I would see a car zoom past the other way. And I remember thinking on two occasions, that one would have done it if I would have just gone. That one would have done it. Now, I'm telling you this. Because I had gotten everything that I thought that I was supposed to get. I had worked, I had made connections, I had practiced, I had abilities that God had given me, even though Blake doesn't realize it, I am somewhat of a musician or was at one point. I had gotten there. I mean, the steps after this were just bigger and, and better steps. Everything that I'd always wanted, everything that I thought was going to make life perfect, and I was the most miserable, and I was ready to die. And in that time, I go up to Traverse City, Michigan, and it doesn't stop. And it got to a point that one night I walked into our room, my room that I share with my, one of my best friends, by myself, and walked in front of the mirror. And look, I'm not one of these guys that say, God spoke to me or if it's just God speaking into me, or what it was. I think you've been around, you know that. But I, I looked in the mirror, and this is what I heard. This is the man you are now. Is this the man you want to be? And because I knew... That Rocky Raccoon once went to his room and picked up Gideon's Bible in the hotel. I knew that it would be there in that nightstand. And I spent the whole night reading. Started with the Gospel of John, read Romans. Now, I'm not going to tell you that miraculously everything was right after that, because it wasn't. I mean, I still struggled with the same things I just told you about. But I had this hope now that I didn't have, and it connected all the dots from eight years old up till now, connected all those dots. And so when we started today, and I had Steve sing you this song that I I'm going to live forever, and I hope you all realize that you are. 
And this is not some sort of universal everybody gets to go to heaven message. It's not that. I'm just telling you the truth. You're all going to live forever. It's a matter of where your mail gets sent. That's what we're deciding. We're going to talk about a scripture in here that where Jesus talks about the, the wheat and the weeds growing up with it. And at the time that it's to bring it home, the wheat gets harvested and the, the weeds get burned up. We're all going to live forever. So the question that I want to ask you, unlike the evangelist that asked me, I don't want to ask you about your destination where you're going to die. I want to ask you about today, right now. What life do you want to live for all eternity? What do you want your life to say as a person, as a, a, a parent, as a spouse, as a friend? What kind of life do you want to live through all eternity? What does your life look like all the way down the road? When you get to that live forever place, what, what is it going to look like? What are they going to say about you? What's your life, your life going to look like in eternity? Now, I'm going to guess that there's not one of us in here that when I ask that question, whether you're paying attention or not, you started to think, well, I, I want to have a great relationship with my family and friends. You know, I, I want to be happy. I want joy. I want all this. I want to be considered a good father, a good mother, a good husband, good wife, good pal, good, good sibling good son, good daughter. I want to be, I want this joy. I want all of it. I want all of it. It's like me going into Golden Corral. Just give me a handful of plates. I'm coming back. I want all of it. My head will be under the soft serve machine because I paid my money. I want it all. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's how every one of us thought. I know that. Nobody in here thought, well, for eternity, I want to be a schmuck. For eternity, I'm, I'm not going to amount to anything. For eternity, I'm always going to fail and disappoint. Now, I'm not going to say that you didn't because you may have. What I'm hoping is, is that by the time we're done today, you realize that doesn't have to be the case. Who doesn't want an abundant life? We all do. Now, here's my proposal. is I propose that an abundant life comes down to the choice between God's kingdom now or thinking that God's kingdom will come somewhere down the road, someday later. So some wait in misery for the heavens to open up, for God to set all things right, which usually means correcting all those that we think are wrong. And that's not really peace. That's payback. And if we're doing that, then we live our lives day to day just waiting for somebody to get what they deserve, to get theirs. And that's not abundant living. That robs you. Now, I always want to give this example for you. Y'all remember Eeyore? Who knows Eeyore in here? All right, anybody ever been in Eeyore? No? Nobody's going to guarantee you know Eeyore. Eeyore walked around. Hey, that's a nice house, Eeyore. Yeah, it's not much of a house. Yeah, rough leaks. We well, you know there are Eeyore, Eeyore Christians. I've told you this. There are Eeyore Christians. There are Christians that go, hey, how are you doing today? How's that abundant life living up for you? Well, not feeling good. hate my job. My family's mad at me. I got no friends. But I've got Jesus, 
So he's coming. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me ask you a question. Who wants to hang around Eeyore? Anybody? Nobody wants to hang around Eeyore. So we talk about this abundance. We talk about this verse right here in John 10.10. This is the New Revised Standard Version. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus came so that we would have eternal life with him. And not only would we have eternal life, but it would be abundant. And living abundantly is a very popular idea these days. I Googled abundant life yesterday. And the first hits that came up were this, nine tips to live an abundant life. You know what one of the tips was on the nine tips? Make your bed every morning. I'm like, for crying out loud, what's that got to do with an abundant life? It was a self-help thing. Right now, I'm going to say, those of you who wish not to make your bed, I'm going to give you, here's my thinking. I'm going to get in it in 12 hours. Why make it now? With me? All right. But that was one of the tips. The other one was 15 15 ways to live an abundant life. And all these little self-help things. There's actually there was, a, there was a preacher's book about how to live your best life now. And I looked at what his points were. And they just looked like the other guys on the self-help books. You know, one of, the, one of the nine points of the one person's list was how to live an abundant life. Tony, this is you and me right here. How to live an abundant life, smile more often. And I got to thinking, doesn't the joker smile all the time? This is how whacked out I am. All right, so look, we get this idea that abundant life is something that it's not. And those are all really good advice. I'm going to tell you that the nine steps and the 15 steps, read them. Put them into practice. Start doing them. I think things will come better for you. And we have all this. And, and, and those are all really good things to put into play. That's all really good advice. They're all great plans. But in the immortal words of Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And life will punch you in the face. Repeatedly. And here's what I've learned about being punched in the face. It plays havoc with your smile. So if you're betting on just pasting on a smile and it's you're making your life abundant, then wear a mouth guard because the world is going to come up and just punch you. Am I lying? Am I preaching something here? Is this right? Have you been punched in the face by the world? Okay, good. Let's go on. All of these 9 and 15 in your best life now, these are all self-help mantras. So let's be honest. If it was about being able to help ourselves, we wouldn't be in the shape we were in now and to begin with. Because we would have what? We would have helped ourselves. So let's talk about kingdoms. A little shift here because this is where we started. Let's talk about kingdoms. Jesus is always talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' entire message is summarized as the good news of the kingdom. So coming here before Matthew 13, 
verses 24 through 30. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? And he answered, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do, what you, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat among them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and then bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. There's the live forever. So some of us are going to get to go to the barn and some of us are going to burn in hell repeatedly okay that's that's this that's where we're at here in this story and the beauty of the story is this is is as this parable as he's making jesus is making this analogy he's saying that when my father started this whole thing there wasn't any weeds we we had a weed prevention plan in place do not eat from the tree of knowledge that was the you know just do this one thing to keep out weeds, don't do this. We didn't do that. And so the enemy was able to come in and plant weeds among the seeds. That's why there are moments in our lives that are blessed and we can feel God's hand and his presence and we know that he loves us. And then there are other times when we're like, God, where are you? I don't believe you exist. Why have you let this happen to me? Because the enemy has come in. The enemy has come in and planted Weeds. Weeds this morning. There's a very tactical way of looking at weeds. Weeds this morning where the lights weren't on. This wasn't working. The guitar is cutting in and out. This is jumping all over the place. Weeds. And too often, I'm the biggest duck in the puddle on this. Too often, we will focus on the weeds so much that we miss out on the wheat, the blessing that's around us. And we will tell you everything that is wrong. And then we'll tell you we're living an abundant life. If all you're thinking about is what is wrong, you're not living an abundant life. You're living a life that's in captivity, that's captured. And Jesus goes on to tell us that the kingdom of heaven is like, on this, this, this same chapter, he tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed or a spot of yeast in dough. And he goes on and says, and the kingdom is now. In Mark chapter 1, after John the Baptist has baptized Jesus and then was put in jail. Jesus says this about the kingdom. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And you're like, ah, that's great. The good news message of Jesus was less about getting people into heaven. Make sure you hear this. The good news message of Jesus was less about getting people into heaven and more about getting heaven into people. And I hope I can prove this. I almost feel like I'm a lawyer today to help I prove my point. Jesus' message, the good news, Jesus, good news message of Jesus was less and less about getting people into heaven and more and more about getting heaven into us, the kingdom being near. Now, you're going, great, that's great. Where does this apply to us? Why does this apply to me? Why am I here? Okay, because we think that maybe life is like a dress rehearsal, right? 
And if we play our cards right, we do our parts the right way, we don't make any mistakes, we don't drink, smoke, chew, date girls who do, we should get into heaven, do all the right things, cross all the T's, dot all the I's. And when you're eight years old, you can say, I'm going to heaven. And if you do all those things and follow all those rules, when you're 23, you can say, doesn't matter if I feel like dog crap, I'm going to heaven anyway. That's how we believe too often. That's how we, we live. Too many times we think that this life is just a dress rehearsal for the next life. And if we don't play our part right, if we drop a line or if we miss a beat or if we sing off tune, we're not going to get to be in the big play. Unfortunately, this, this pie-in-the-sky-when-we-die approach never leads to the best expression of love in this life. Matter of fact, it leads to us being very unloving to people, judgmental, correcting those people, that people. And because we are always dropping our lines and forgetting our entrances, and sometimes we always are singing off tune or lose the beat, and sometimes we can't muster the smile that point number eight says was a critical thing to have an abundant life, because sometimes you wake up and you don't want to smile. I'm not the only one, am I? Sometimes you just wake up and you're like, Sometimes life punches us in the face. And we're going to be honest. Not only does life and the enemy set out to punch you in the face, but sometimes we just flat screw up. We make mistakes. We hurt the people that we love. And then we hate ourselves for hurting the people that we love. And when that happens, it's, it's real easy to think that there is no way God is going to let me into his kingdom where life is abundant. There's no way. I know how I treat people. I know the mistakes that I've done. I know there's no chance. No chance that I'm going to get this heaven. I'm just a weed. So we either give up or we stop trying, or we, we turn religious and we follow a bunch of rules and laws. But when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he is saying that it's not a realm we enter when we die, but a way of life we can choose to enter now. I don't care where you are in your walk, your abundant life can start today if you choose him. Every day. So Jesus teaches us to not pray this. He doesn't, when he taught us to pray, he didn't say this. He said, pray, help me go to the kingdom of heaven, did he? And the Lord's Prayer, that's not how it starts, right? He, he preaches your kingdom come, meaning it's already here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus says that the kingdom of God is near, he was saying, I'm the kingdom of God, and when I'm in you, you've got the kingdom of God in you. You have everything you need to live this abundant life that I promised you. It's not something that's going to happen years down the road, generations, eons. Look, I, you know what? You've probably you've never heard me preach a sermon about whether I'm post, mid, or pre-tribulation. I'm not really big on the end times. One, because I'm not that smart. But two, I'm like this. If I'm living the way that I should be living, I probably don't have anything to worry about. 
and it can't, it doesn't have to be better on this side. Because I think what we think is that heaven is where all the people that we disagree with and don't like aren't there. Like they, they didn't make the cut. And so we won't have anything to fight over. I'm just telling you this. If you're fighting now, you're gearing yourself up to fight for all eternity. Because you are not living the life of abundance that he says we can live. For whatever reason. It's a pastor that I really like passed away a couple years ago. Dallas Willard says, The emphasis of Jesus' spirituality is not getting into the realm of heaven, but bring on bringing the qualities of heaven into our daily experience on earth. That's great. So why don't we always feel peaceful? Why do we wake up grumpy? Why does it have a hard time smiling? Why can't we see the value and intrinsic beauty of a freshly made bed? Why is that? Well, it's because humans have different opinions. And humans have different culture. And humans have different approaches to life. And humans have different earthly kingdoms that they are willing, that we are willing to argue over and fight for and even kill for. Misguided. Usually it, it's the most ugliest when it comes in the form of religion. And this is what would make certain Muslims blow up a building and kill millions of innocents because they're doing it in the name of their God. Just because I'm an equal opportunity. Um, this is also the reason that Christians tortured heretics in order to save them. This is why we had the Crusades. This is why we had the Salem Rich Trials. This is Anytime your kingdom is bigger than his kingdom and you're living through your kingdom you can't love the way God wants you to love. Does that make sense? I'm just going to hope it does because I don't think if I talked any more about it, it would make any more sense. And that is why things are so ugly right now. And that is why Steve can't watch the news. It's because we're all defending our own little kingdoms with a zeal like they're God's. So again, what does this do about us? What, what's this have to do with us? Walk with me for a second. I'm going to give you some verses. Here's a chrono chronological trip. So in Luke 2, 14, when the, the angels announced the birth of Jesus, he says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. You know what that means? Christ has come. Peace is here. The kingdom is now on earth. John 10.10, 10, which we already read, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to give eternal, abundant life that starts now. You know, I love, I love most of you. <laughs> I take that back. I think I love all of you. I know some of you better than others. I don't know how much you know about me. My goodness. I've let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy 
things in my life abundant. I get so worried about what is not right now that I don't see what is right now. And that's the enemy. That's what he wants you to do. Jesus came to give eternal and abundant life that starts now. And then Thomas, this last one, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the analogy. Here's the order. Christ comes. There's peace on earth. The enemy comes to steal and destroy that peace, but Jesus comes to give us life that is not only eternal, but abundant. And how do we get that? Well, there's only one way. I am the way. That's a pretty bold statement, Cotton. You know, that he says that straight out. I am the way. There is no other way to an abundant life now and an abundant life eternally and to God except through Jesus Christ. He's either a complete whack job for saying that or it's the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. The way to a life of eternal abundance comes only from following Christ and knowing that he is the only way to that abundant life. So you're like, well, yeah, I get that. What about me? You don't know what I've done. Okay, good. Here, here's this. You're going to screw up, all right? Okay. There you go, Cupcake. There's your, there's your past. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to wake up one morning and not want to smile. You're going to bite somebody's head off. You're going to set expectations for yourself, and you're not going to make them. And you're going to spend the rest of the day beating yourself up because you didn't make them. Or isolating yourself so you can't love somebody else because you don't want to hurt them. That's just what's going to happen. I don't want to paint this rose-colored picture that everything's going to be great and it's unicorn farts and all that. No, that's not it. It's not going to be perfect. You know why? Because there's an enemy out there trying to kill, steal, and destroy. There's a world that's out there that's going to punch you in the mouth. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. But when you do, you can always choose to get up and follow. I don't care how far off of that way that you are. That way is right there. You can follow. Now, one day that way is going to close, and you can't follow anymore. One day that, that wheat and those weeds are going to be separated, and the weeds are going to be thrown off, and you're not going to have the option to follow that way anymore. It's going to be too late. One day that's going to happen. Here's some good news for you. Today is not that day. So you can choose. Let's go back to that first scripture. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. There's two important attributes I'm going to leave you with. I got convicted because Andy had points last week, and I'm like, I got to up my game because Andy had points. So here's two. That's all I could get. Two points. Two attributes of the kingdom of God. First, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. It is not a visible structure. It is not a geographical location. It is not a religious organization or a political agenda. 
oh, I'm going to make somebody mad when I say this, but what the heck, let's do it anyway. There's no such thing as a Christian nation. There are Christians who live in the nation, who through them and they're seeking of an abundant life, the kingdom of God lives in them and through them and shows to others. The kingdom of God is not something that you're going to say, there it is. Because the kingdom is so much deeper and so much more than that. And here's the second part. I think I already alluded to it. It's so much deeper and more to that because you are the kingdom of God. You are the kingdom of God. You're the kingdom of God. You're the kingdom of God. There's not one of you in here that doesn't, will not. If I ask you, do you believe in God? You'd say, yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. That's why you came to a movie theater at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning when you could have slept in. There had to be something you said, well, let's go hear what this, has to, this guy has to say because I believe in this. There's not a one of you in here that would say, nope, I don't believe that you're here. Okay, so if you're here, guess what? The kingdom of God is within you. And that little translation of within you in, comes from the gr- Greek word entos, which means inside. The kingdom of God is inside you. You are carrying the kingdom of God. We keep running off looking for the kingdom of God somewhere else, like it's in a better program or a better place or something. And it'll never amount to anything until we realize that the kingdom of God is in us. The kingdom of Christ is a way of living that exists within the hearts of individuals and it's expressed through the relationships between those individuals. To say it another way, the kingdom of God is inside all of us together. The kingdom of God is always personal, but it is never private. You have a response. You are the image of the kingdom of God. kingdom of God is always personal, but it is never private. And I just need to ask, am am I showing, is is John Porter showing the kingdom of God to other people? And I'm going to tell you that no, sometimes he's not. Because he's too caught up in what he doesn't have or what happened to him or where he's not. And I give this spiel about an abundant life and you go like, well, I saw you Tuesday and you were just grumpy as all get out and you didn't feel like you had anything going for it. Why should I believe, why should I believe what you're saying now? You know the sad thing is? I don't have any answer for it. I don't have a good excuse for that. But you will see the kingdom of God through others, and others will see the kingdom of God through you. Are you showing others the kingdom? Are we showing that our lives are abundant? My goodness, there are some beautiful people, and all of you are beautiful people, beautiful families that have had absolutely gut-wrenching, unfair, not-right things happen to them that should knock the smile right off your face. And it will, if you choose. But we're going to live forever. We're going to cross that river it's going to be so here's a very simple this is a terrible way to say this but you know why stop now why worry about it now right if you don't want to be a jerk in eternity stop being a jerk now start loving the way that you've been loved jesus raises the question are you living now the way you want to live forever 
Or are you being now who you want to be forever? When I, had, when I walked past that mirror in Traverse City and heard that in my soul, wherever it was, in my ears, my head, wherever, this is the man you are now. Is this the man you want to be? Here's the choice, John. The road that you're on is not mine. And I love you, but I'm not going to pick you up and plant you on it. He is not going to pick us up and plant us on the road. We have a choice. And we have an obligation to show that kingdom. Every time our choices align with God's will of love for us, we experience more of his kingdom on earth. So here's what you do. You want more of his kingdom on earth? Act like him more. Love like he did. Forgive like he did. Invest like he did. You got to make that choice. It's not going to come easy. No one, it doesn't come easy. Doesn't come natural. You're going to have to make the choice. Make the choice. You wake up in the morning. I want to be like Jesus today. How would Jesus handle this situation? What would love do here? How would Jesus react? He would love first. You got to be there. Every time our choices align with God's will of love for us, every time our choices align through the fact that we realize that God loved us when we were unlovable and he saved us when we were unsavable. Every time we make that choice, we experience more of his kingdom on earth. It's, it's like when he said that yeast in the dough. God's kingdom begins to permeate our thoughts and our attitudes and eventually our relationships, and it slowly transforms our lives from the inside out. If you're looking for a one-stop shop where you come up here and I say a prayer and I tap you on the forehead and the Holy Spirit knocks you down and everything's great in your life, i am just got news for you. I've been doing this for 25-plus years. I've never seen anybody that that lasts because we want the easy way. It's not the easy way, but my goodness, it is the way. Align yourself. So what do you, what life do you want to live for all eternity? I'll ask you, I'll end with the same question I started with. What life do you want to end for all eternity? If a life of peace and love and unity is your ultimate goal, then start living that life and living out those realities right now. When we know the way God wants us to live forever, we are welcoming his kingdom. We are welcoming his loving authority, his way of living into our world. How do you want to live? Because you're going to live forever. How do you want to live? Start now. And walk out of here going, it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. So walk with us. You can walk with me. If anything, I'm an open book. I'll tell you where I messed up every single time. But I will show you where God restored every single time I messed up. I'm almost to the point where I think the only person who's supposed to hear this message today was me. Your life is abundant right now. The more you see that, the more abundant it'll become. His way. Choose it. Align yourself with him. Because you're going to live forever. Let's pray. Father God, I hope these words made sense. I hope these words meant something. I thank you for your time and your patience with me. And I thank you for the way that you love us. 
Thank you that you are willing to let your kingdom start right now in us. And as it starts in us, it'll spread out to the others who need to desperately see it. And we thank you for it. In your name we pray.